This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to the Inspirational, Informational, and Transparent Aviation Careers Podcast. You know, if you have any questions, comments, inspirational stories, or any announcements, please write us at feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. Don't forget, we have the uh, online scholarships guide that's being updated every month, and it's only $10 for one-year access. You know, another thing that uh, is available is the Pay It Forward. Pay It Forward campaign is where other people have actually purchased the guide so that you can have it for free. So if you do go and purchase the scholarships guide, make sure you put the coupon code Pay It Forward, Pay It Forward, all one word. Uh, if you can't remember that, just go to the website. You'll see it on the right side of the screen. Uh, that'll give you a free scholarships guide for one year. Uh, if you want to purchase a scholarships guide for somebody else, you can actually go and use uh, the Pay It Forward campaign and uh, just click on uh, – actually, it's on the right side of the screen also. Just click on Pay It Forward, and uh, you'll be able to buy one for somebody else. Uh, just make sure you tell us when you purchase that with your EVC that uh, it's for some individual. Thanks so much to the last person that just donated 10 scholarships – actually, 12 scholarships, guides. because when you buy 10, I throw in two uh, for the Pay It Forward campaign. This has been a huge success because this is something that really, really helps people out. Uh, so anyway, the other thing too, by the way, the scholarships guide, we have uh, more coming in August. Uh, and we've had 29 in July. I don't know what the numbers are for this month, but we had 29 new ones, six updates. Uh, one question that came in, I want to make sure that you understand this, is that when we started the guide, we used to put the year when the scholarship was due. In other words, it was due in August of 2017. We used to put 2017. That was a little bit of a silly thing to do, and we understand that we thought we got all those years out of there, but we didn't. So if you're looking at the scholarships guy right now and you see that the scholarship is, uh, the application is due in March and right now it's April, it's passed. <laughs> you know, so you have to wait till March of the next year. If it says 2017, just disregard that. We're going to pull all those out of there because uh, that just kind of muddies the water there. So hopefully you understand that one. Anyway, today I'm actually at the campus of uh, my favorite college, aerospace college, with one of my favorite professors and directors of the aerospace program, and that is Eric Crump. Hey, Eric, it's great to see you again. Good morning, Carl and everybody else. You forgot to tell everybody how good-looking I am. You are. Uh, that's why we call him Pretty Boy. The, uh, <laughs> yeah, I got a call sign <laughs> He's upgrade. got a call sign. Awesome. I think, actually, my wife made that call sign for Ooh. you. Says, hey, call him Pretty Boy. I, know, hey, I should Gina. be jealous. I'm going to be a little jealous here. <laughs> But, but, you know, Eric, this has been an exciting year for you guys. It's, uh, this year, you've actually started a, a new program, and I just, I'm, I'm really excited about it because you've been talking about it for a while, and that's the new dispatch program. I have been talking about it for a while. We just had our open house last week, and um, it, it's incredible because, um, and I told everybody there, we've been talking about dispatch for two years. It's been a long time. We've been having this conversation about uh, starting a dispatcher certification program. I'm so glad that finally became a reality. Um, I 
overheard um, a conversation you might have had with my friend Adam (laughs) about said dispatch program. So I won't go into detail about it. Everybody's already heard about what it is. But um, uh, we had our open house. It It was a huge success. Tons of people showed up. And I just wanted to shout out to everybody from the podcast who came. I was shocked by the number of people that uh, that came because they had uh, they'd heard it on the podcast and uh, hey to everybody again. <laughs> well, we we appreciate them coming in to find out more about this program. We get more and more questions every day about dispatch. Uh, it's a terrific program. Adam is doing a, a wonderful job. By the way, if you're wondering what uh, he's talking about, Eric's talking about in the past episode, uh, we did have Adam talk uh, about being a dispatcher and how the dispatch program works. But in general, he's going to be answering a lot of our questions about the dispatch program here. But in general, any questions you have about uh, dispatch and getting your dispatch certificate. As a matter of fact, I'm actually looking into, in all the other things I'm doing, getting my dispatcher certificate. Maybe I'll come here and finally be able to say I took a course at Polk State. I don't know. It's it's pretty advanced stuff for a pilot. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if it's it's in your wheelhouse, Carl. It might not be. (laughs) Speaking of which, there's a lot of questions about that, about being a pilot and getting your dispatcher certificate and uh, and what you have to do. Uh, that's going to come up in, a, I think, a future question. But in general, yes, if you're a pilot, you have experience a certain number of years. If you're ex-military, uh, you can uh, sit for the uh, written exam. It's actually uh, kind of incredible to me the amount of experiential credit the FA gives for dispatch. Mm-hmm. Because that's not generally the case when it comes to flight hours and things like that. Um, even the credit they'll give you for ground in a 141 program right. is nothing like the time exemptions you get in dispatch. Yeah. So I would suggest anybody who has a background in logistics, um, supply chain, anything like that, especially military experience working in air operations, you might be surprised how much credit you can actually get. So the person, though, when we're talking about the written exam, they still have to go and get do the practical test. But you can get hour credit for that also. That's, mm-hmm. that's the thing. So dispatch is a 200-clock-hour program. That's minimum FA to get the certificate, just like you know, 35, 40 hours, whatever, to get your private pilot certificate. Um, and so the interesting thing there is the FA breaks down each of the topic areas in dispatch. And if your curriculum, let's say you spend 18 hours on weather, Right, and you were a flight briefer um, in air operations in a branch of the military. So you could show experience of where you had done that and actually get time credit for prior work experience. It's, it's kind of awesome, actually. The FAA really doesn't do that with any of the other flight certificates, not to that level, not to the level they do it with dispatch. So the dispatch certificate's changed a little bit over the past you know, number of years, 20 years or so. Uh, it used to be a lot of people just go ahead and get their dispatch certificate by taking the written exam, right? And yeah, yeah. So what's, so what's changed there? Well, several things. But I think the interesting thing there for people who are going through flight training or who have looked at flight training is to understand that dispatch lives under Part 65 with maintenance and ATC and all. It's not a flight certificate, even though we call them the non-flying pilot and they're taking the same knowledge test that the captain is. They just they know everything about the operation, just not how to physically fly the airplane. It is, it's regulated in a very different way. And so when you look at maintenance, for example, with the hours credit and stuff, cause that's a clock hour program under 147 or part 65, um, and bringing in experiential credit works. It's the same sort of mentality, but for people who have looked at flight training or who are in flight training, it's a very different model cause it's not the model we use. Right, right. And again, the question always comes up from airline pilots. Gosh, I've always wanted to get my dispatcher certificate. Sure, you can do it. 
you can actually go ahead and sit for the written exam and also possibly the practical exam, depending on how many years you've been a, Are a pilot. Are there airlines that facilitate that for crews there, that want to do that? Is that a thing? Because I know a lot of it, well, airlines have an internal dispatch program that you have to, even if you have a dispatch certificate, you still go through new hire and in-doc just like a pilot does. So do, do airlines have that option for the, pilots? The only thing that I've seen is that you have to go through the same avenues that the other any other employee has to do to get that certificate. Uh, and they'd be like, you know, why are you doing that? You can just go ahead and sit for this this test because of all your experience. Because there's the experience, it, what is it, like three years? I Don't quote me on that. But I think it's around three, three and a half. And then you can actually sit for the practical exam. Mm -hmm. You know, then right. so, so what you need to do is look up part 65. But yes, there are some, but they're usually available to all employees, not just pilots. In other words, they wouldn't fast track you just because you're a pilot. Right. When so. I looked at, um, you know, the, the original um, training course outline we submitted to the FAA, um, again, this is outside my area of expertise, too. I'm not a dispatcher. I don't know anything about being a dispatcher, but I was shocked in the beginning. You have a, a time credit table, and it explains if you have this, you get this. If you have this, you get that. And I was blown away by the amount of prior credit you can get. Yeah, and Adam actually spoke about that in that email that we read before. And uh, so basically what you have to do is ask. That you, you have to ask what you for the place that you're going to take your course to get your certificate. You have to ask them what can credit, and it'll be different at each Everyone. program because every program is individually certified by the FAA. You got it, you got it. But anyway, we're really excited about that and uh, excited that the dispatch program is here at Polk State. It's uh, very affordable. Uh, check it out online at. Uh, the, it is uh, polk.edu slash aerospace. Polk. I'm glad I was here. <laughs> slash aerospace. <laughs> no, it's no. too early. Have you not had I've the had sufficient three cups amount of, of coffee, coffee already? Okay. <laughs> Thanks Next for saying me. I'll bring you one. <laughs> Well, anyway, let's get on to some questions. Um, by the way, the questions, feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. Um, we'd love for you to write in your questions. Also, if you're in the coaching program and there's a question that you ask that I feel will be good for everybody, I put those out here on the podcast. So these first two questions are from some of our, uh, one of the coaching clients, actually, uh, who wanted me to share this with the rest of the people out there because this question comes up often. So the question was this. Uh, the, there's two. First, uh, the client asked, can I instruct in a baron if I'm a CFII but not an MEI? In other words, I'm an instrument instructor but not a multi-engine instructor. And I'll let Eric actually ask that first one. I'll do the next one. I mean, if I had a dollar for every time. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Know, or for every time that I wanted to do this and it, and it didn't work. Okay, so the answer is no, and here's why. So... Um, remember that just like a pilot certificate, your flight instructor certificate is category and class specific. Um, so if I'm an airplane CFI, I can't provide instruction in a helicopter. Even if I have a commercial pilot certificate in a helicopter, I still have to have rotorcraft category and class on my CFI certificate, right? Just like it, CFI certificates work the same way that pilot certificates do. So don't let it confuse you. You can't provide instrument instruction in actual instrument conditions either unless you have a double I because that's a category and class instrument rating um, in, uh, certification. I think what screws people up is they think, well, I'm a CFI and I have a multi-engine rating because that's the way it works with tailwheel. Like a CF double I. Sure. So if, I have, if I'm a flight instructor, right, and I have a tailwheel endorsement, I can provide instruction in a tailwheel airplane. That's totally cool. High performance, high altitude, but those are endorsements, right? Multi-engine and instrument are ratings. 
They are class-specific ratings. So if I have a, and we used to be able to do this back in the olden days when, when you were doing this, um, you used to be able to get a CFI or a double I certificate, right? And not have instrument privileges for multi-engine. You could also get a multi-engine add-on to your pilot certificate and not have instrument privileges. Mm-hmm. Now, the FAA's done away with that now, and it's just one one thing. You had to add it. Yeah, I was actually, I had my multi-engine private with no instrument. Yeah, So, and then you had to go and add, add that. Add you it had to do later. it again, yeah. right? <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. So, and that's that's sort of a, that's a good illustration to keep in mind when you think about category and class and understand the difference. So just because you're a CFI and you have a multi-engine rating does not mean you can provide instruction in a multi-engine aircraft. You have to have a multi-engine class rating on your CFI certificate, just like you have an instrument class rating. So here's the interesting part about this. Let's say you're a flight instructor or any kind of pilot for that matter, and you have a multi-engine rating. This does not preclude you from being a safety pilot. Okay, so if two of you want to get in an airplane and one of you put on a hood and one of you fly, you know, look outside, uh, be the safety pilot, both of you can still log PIC. I think most of people in this situation just want the multi-engine time in their logbook, and I get that. You can do that as a safety pilot. That's cool, provided you follow all the safety pilot rules, but you can't provide instruction. So you're not providing instruction toward a class rating. Now, the question is going to obviously come up. Okay, I'm a flight instructor. I have experience flying multi-engine airplanes. As a safety pilot, I really can't give this guy advice. Sure, you can give him advice. You can talk, but you can't log it as dual received. It's not going to count toward a category or class or anything like that for that other person. It doesn't mean that you can't you know, provide a little wisdom uh, along the way. You can always teach somebody no matter what there's always i have a i have a friend who i'm still being taught exactly and and that's where we're always learning i have a friend had twenty five thousand hours he's a fighter pilot in world war ii has lost his medical long time ago but still learning from him you know that person is teaching me even though he can't be in the airplane and and log it as as flight instruction time he still is teaching me no matter what if you're with an experienced pilot I would recommend you hang out with that experienced pilot and listen to what they're saying. Be a sponge. You got it. So so here comes, you know, here's another one that comes up, and this is kind of an add-on question for the same client. Um, a lot of people have uh, the opportunity to fly right seat in a jet, right? And they're not every... it's a lot. And, and <laughs> well, <laughs> 50 hours to me is a lot. Like, say, to, you know, to me, as far as, you know, trying to move forward in your career, because I... I would like, kneecap somebody uh, for oh the opportunity gosh. to fly right Think about it. I mean, I, I think I got like eight hours of jet time before I actually got to the airlines. I was so happy to get that time. <laughs> but one of the things people want to know is if they can actually log second in command time. Obviously not pilot in command, because you're not. Um, and this comes up often. And the answer is... Um, and I should give the full question. Can you log second-in-command time in a jet that only requires a single pilot, both by the regulations and the operating requirements? The answer is no. But if you are a required crew member, obviously you do. You can. If you're part 135 and you have to be there, 
as as second in command under those re- and other operating requirements. Even yeah, 91K. But, but I mean, you can do fractional K. as you a required crew member. And, and that's what we have to look at. Is it required by the re- operating requirements? Uh, in this case, the person was asking it is not. They fly the jet around single pilot. Uh, an example is a Citation, uh, Excel, I think. It, you know, There's a couple of different planes that you can fly single pilot. Which still blows my mind that there are single pilot jets. I mean, sure. and not that... Um, not that it's so incredibly complicated. I mean, look at the Cirrus jet. Oh, yeah. You know, that, that airplane is smarter than I am. You know? <laughs> I mean, it's basically, it is your co-pilot. Right. But at the same time, at those speeds in going into the Northeast Airspace Corridor in a jet at that speed, um, you know, and I think that says something to the kind of training that these 142 vendors are doing, like Flight Safety, SimCom, these schools, um, CAE, that are that are training people to operate at that level, and I think that's um, just as a as an aside, that's sort right. of an incredible thing. Um, and so I have been asked, and you probably have too, um, to to ride along with people, particularly if they're coming back to the airplane after a while, um, or they um, they're they're going somewhere they haven't gone before. I mean, pilots, you know, type A egomaniac mm-hmm. sometimes, and, <laughs> and a lot of times we don't ask for help when we should. Um, but there are there are several people out there, you know, who are going to say, "Hey, listen, I mean, I'm typed in the airplane and I'm current, but that doesn't mean I'm proficient. Can you come along and just help me out? It's a VFR day. I just want to go shoot some approaches." Which, again, to some people who are listening, probably sounds nuts. Like I want to go practice some approaches <laughs> in my citation. But but I think you know, as as a as a pilot, whether you have experience in the airplane or not. Um, it gives you the opportunity to learn again if you have that option to do it. So I would never, well, within the realm of safety, I would never say no. Um, but at the same time, let's look at the operation for what it is and not try to make, just like the multi-engine instruction question, let's try to not try to make more out of it. Like you're getting the opportunity to ride around in this single pilot jet to learn, to, to just absorb all this information. Um, don't look at it just as an opportunity also to log time, um, look at it for what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not saying this guy's doing that. I'm just saying to everybody else, um, this is an incredible learning opportunity. It doesn't matter if you get to put hours in your logbook or not. I think that's a great point. The The one thing that we get questions about all the time is whether uh, we can log this time. And this is, like you said, if we had a dollar for every time I got this question, I'd be rich. But maybe not rich, but I'd have a few dollars left over for lunch. The uh, one, one of the things that I, I think is really important is the fact that you make sure that your logbook looks good for the interview. We talk about this often. Uh we look at logbooks all day long during the interview process. This is a huge red flag. If I start seeing you're flying around a citation and I start asking you questions about the operation and you say, oh, it's just an individual that owned it, Part 91, uh, we're going to question the rest of your logbook. And we're probably going to ask you maybe to come back after you fix your logbook. Well, it's a, that's a guarantee interview question. Yeah. I mean, you're absolutely going to get red flagged on an interview for that. Um, we've talked about this before. Yeah. Having... Having hours in anything that would be considered unconventional, particularly when it's a low number of hours, is always going to get looked at because, unfortunately, logbook fraud is so rampant. Mm. I mean, it's crazy, but it's true. Um, and so it's not its not the end of the world. And remember, I, I know you've talked about this before, Carl, you can log anything you want. Right. You can put anything in the world you want in your logbook. 
And if I was flying right seat in a citation, I would probably put that in my logbook. But you're going to have to make sure that if you do that, you don't, you can't use that time to credit toward aeronautical experience. Mm-hmm. I got the opportunity, the amazing opportunity to fly in a B-24 um, and, a, and an aerial demonstration. Incredible experience. Mm-hmm. Um, got to walk on the little gangplank down the center of the airplane while it's in flight. I mean, it's incredible. What a great opportunity. Um, I absolutely put that in my logbook, and I had both pilots sign it. But I, but that's also asterisk. The time is asterisk. So I know when I add that page, I don't include those hours, but it's in my logbook so that every time I look at it, I can remember it. Just remember, it's okay if you do that. And actually, it's if, good for if the interview too, that, actually. That's a good thing for an interview. Just don't, don't not put it in your logbook. Just make sure that you're only crediting aeronautical experience time that's valid for whatever you're pursuing. Good advice. And one of the things that I think is really important too is the fact that you do highlight that because that's that's a great little segue into a conversation during an interview and actually it's cool to to relate those things. It relaxes the interviewer and it relaxes you when you talk about those things. So that's really important. Anyway, well, thanks for uh, the two questions that uh, this person wanted us to share with the rest of the those audience. Those are good ones. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And these are the kind of questions we get often as far as uh, during the coaching process. Uh, and again, you can look up uh, the coaching online, aviationcareerspodcast.com slash coaching. Uh, but one thing I just want to say is I am got, I've gotten very busy with the coaching. And uh, so I would say the first thing you should do is look at the calendar. If you're doing like an interview or something like that in the near future, I have people I can send you to because currently if you're not within the coaching program, uh, we may not be able to fit you in the next, uh, it's usually about two to three weeks out uh, to get an actual slot to do some coaching. Uh, Unfortunately, we've gotten that busy and realized that uh, I had no idea this was going to happen, but it has. Um, Well, if everybody would stop uh, hiring so many people, (laughs) there would be less demand. However, that's not going to change anytime soon. No, but if you're thinking about changing careers, et cetera, that's perfect because you're not going to make that decision right away and you know just schedule some time we'll get together and uh, it really is something that's I think is important so I think I think everybody knows by now that um, Polk partners very closely with Express Jet they've been just amazing to us uh, from the very beginning they were our first um, airline hiring partner uh, JetBlue was the first to the table to help out with curriculum and to participate in our advisory board but Express Jet really stepped up in, in an amazing way and has been a great a conduit for um, our graduates, but uh, our basic undock is on Saturday in a couple of days. Um, and I heard from uh, the guy who runs the program who's actually coming uh, to be here Friday and Saturday. They're going to do interviews on Friday and be here to help out with our undock on Saturday. Um, he's doing 11 interviews, wow. just our students, That's awesome. on Friday. <laughs> That's so, a- I mean, there is there's just this giant sponge effect happening that um i i and i don't there are very there are fewer naysayers now than there were a year ago mm-hmm. but anybody who doesn't believe that hiring is off the chain oh, yeah. <laughs> i mean i've got all the total through the program we've sent i think 18 or 19 students all the way through into a job at Express Jet. Now, many more have interviewed, obviously, but I've made it all the way through. I'm interviewing 11 <laughs> on Friday. 
uh, for conditional job offers. Certainly hope that they do well, but um, it's it's a it's a testament to what's going on in our industry right now. It is, it is. And uh, with that said, I want to say that this has been going on for a long time, uh, at, especially at specific airlines where they've been hiring quite a bit. Um, there's two things. Number one, a lot of people ask me about programs at different colleges that have partners. This is one of the benefits of having a program that has a partnership with an airline. They come to you. Now, with that said, a lot of the airlines are hitting the roads trying to find places that they can partner with because there is such a shortage of pilots right now. But don't think that that means that every airline is as successful as the others. And I'll tell you why. I am dealing with pilots that are being furloughed right now. And that's crazy. People are saying there is no furloughs going on. Well, there are at certain places, and usually smaller operators, et cetera. And not every airline's hiring a lot right now because, you know, for, and I don't like to make this too newsy, but you've seen this happen just recently where a, a contract airline has actually been told by their mainline carrier that they're not going to be used anymore uh, and they're going to reduce the flying. Mm-hmm. So that means that they don't need to hire more people. Well, what have they done? They've pushed it off to another airline. I'm going to give you an example that I can talk about, and that's ExpressJet. Mm-hmm. Continental Express uh, was told by Continental a long time ago, we're going to pull 68 airplanes from your flying and give it to another airline. All of a sudden, there was a big, big, big sucking sound with pilots hitting the streets, even though the industry was doing well. Mm-hmm. So that can happen. Just remember that. Things can change. The worm always turns. Uh, so you have to realize that part of this is luck. I mean, I think a lot of people are thinking, well, if I go to X airline, if I go to... It's a sure Com- thing. If I go to Compass Airlines, if I go to GoJet, if I go to ExpressJet, if I go to if I go to Comair, it's a sure thing. I'm going to get into the mainline carrier that they're providing service for. You may have heard the word Comair. Some of you don't even know who that is. Well, they're because they haven't been around <laughs> they, for so long. they don't exist anymore. <laughs> No, I think um, when it comes to that, and I, I had a person uh, comment on um, on a Facebook post I had made not too long ago about the instability in the airline industry, and I, my, I, I'm not going to discount anything you said. All of that's true, but I have a hard time finding a sure thing, right? And everybody's like, well, medicine. Clearly, medicine is a sure thing. <laughs> no, it's not. I mean, it, are there always going to be jobs for nurses? Absolutely. Is there going to be a job at the hospital you want in your hometown working the shift you want? No. <laughs> no, there, there's no such thing as a sure thing. And I think when it comes to aviation, particularly the airline industry, I would, but I would ascribe this to corporate aviation as well. The key is to is to have your plan A, B, and C, and to understand that A probably probably won't work. Law of averages is against you, right? So, and I, you and I have talked about this, but I have so many students that walk in the door, uh, young people, sixteen and around, you know, fourteen to sixteen. I'm going to the Air Force Academy. Cool. Okay. What's your fallback option? What do you mean? I'm going to the Air Force Academy. Statistically speaking, you're probably not. So, what's, what? I mean, what? What's your plan B? Not yeah. that you shouldn't try hard. No, go for it. Yeah. Push for it. Right. But don't. But I mean, I've never. I would never counsel any pilot to make one plan and just hold on to it. You wouldn't fly that way. You wouldn't get in an airplane and have one option. And if this doesn't work, I guess we're all going to die. I mean, so why would you look at your career that way? I mean, don't don't approach it that way. It's illogical. You know, to, to solidify that point, the last four airlines I worked for, I had no idea I was going to work for them. 
I had no idea my career would ever <laughs> well, be working. I had working no idea I was going to work at Fulton State <laughs> so, College running an aerospace so, program either, but you don't you look don't, the gift horse in the mouth. <laughs> so the, the one thing is you don't know where that path is going to leave you. And I think that's a big point here, uh, is you have to be flexible. The airlines that are hiring today won't be the ones that are hiring tomorrow, and the ones that are furloughing today will be hiring again maybe down the road. If they don't go out of business, of course. But you know, this this is just a, that's the way every industry is, no matter what you're in. If it's computers, nursing, you know, everything, everything's similar. Um, anyway, let's move on to a couple questions. I know we have a little bit of time here uh, for a few questions, and Eric can tell me when he's got to punch out here because I know he has a busy schedule. We really appreciate you having you on. We're going to try to do this more often since I'm actually located on the end of the runway. Yeah, it it was so much easier to do this with you when it was uh, Skype. Yeah. Um, it just, I, I love podcasting and I, right. I love, I love the, uh, the, the process, but it's just having to sit across the table from you mm-hmm. and talk to you and look at you at the same time. It's just, yeah. it's tough, but I'm going to do it for scary. the listeners. I'm yeah, doing yeah. it for I'm, the listeners. <laughs> I'm going to take one for the team. Yeah. The, the old man at the other end of the table, <laughs> he's, he's looking at him saying, Hey, you know, this is somebody that, that has some experience, but I, I just want to make sure we prop him up and make sure he stays awake. Do you remember, you remember when we met on Twitter? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Could you have ever imagined no, then that this is no, what we would be doing? <laughs> You know, it's funny because it, that's the same with all these relationships you have in aviation. You, you have no idea what's going to happen. As a matter of fact, look at Adam. That, yeah. Adam just came out of nowhere yep. from oh, yeah. Fort Myers. And he just showed up, called me on the phone, cold called me one day. I said, come up and let's talk. And um, and now I, I consider him in the, uh, in the crump inner circle. Yes. And one of the points, too, is that always remember to treat everybody well because your first officer today could be your captain tomorrow. And it happens often 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 i have a student who actually is now going to be the most senior person at the airline i work at and uh just think about that he, i will always be junior to that person because they got hired before i did uh, and they'll probably never let you and they'll never that. let me forget that that's true <laughs> <laughs> well all right let's let's do a couple questions let's do some and, questions uh, yeah. and just and then a couple announcements after that but the first one is uh from uh, an individual says good morning i'm a recent college graduate aspiring to become a private pilot in the process of speaking with two flight schools here. I have a drive to get started and create my future career, but I'm stuck trying to figure out how. Recently came across your Aviation Careers Podcast 222 Scholarship Podcast and couldn't wait to reach out. Is there any possible advice you may have on where I can go from here? I have a bachelor's degree in sociology and a newfound passion for aviation. Thanks so much. I'd love to hear any advice or guidance. First of all, uh, in the scholarships guide, there's many different ones out there. I know what's going to happen. The majority are for younger folks, but there are scholarships for people that are are older. You just have to look at them. Unfortunately, it's gotten so big that it's going to take you a while to get through it, so be patient there. As far as where you can go from here, Eric, what advice would you give this individual? Again, if I had a dollar for I mean, this, this is my favorite question, okay, because this is someone who has, obviously with a bachelor's degree in sociology, you've applied yourself academically um, and uh, maybe had a love for aviation, not in the, in the letter, but had a love for aviation for a long time or just stumbled into it. And the, I mean, the spark gets lit and there you are. Um, I don't know exactly where you're at um, in the training journey. It says aspiring to become, so I'm assuming you haven't started training yet. Um, 
do one thing today to, sorry. Okay. I'll, I'll wait. I'll wait. <laughs> I'll wait for that one later. But I mean, as much as I rib Carl about his, uh, his trademark phrase, it is, it is absolutely true. The, the hardest part of getting started is getting started and, and being consistent about it. It is not starting flight training period. Even for a hobby is not an easy flip of a switch doing it for a career is a totally different animal altogether. I think what I would suggest to you, keep listening to the podcast, find those aviation mentors that you can in your life. I didn't, nobody in my family was a pilot, right? I, I, I asked my dad to take me out to the airport to look at airplanes. And when we got out there, we realized there are pilots out here who are happy to talk to you about airplanes. Um, and at the time, of course, I was a little younger. Uh, they would let me wash their airplane and get to fly it. So it, it worked out well for me at a young age. Um, I think if you want to do this as a career, uh, finding the options of, of how, and I would say there are really three primary pathways here. One is doing it on your own at a flight school. This will take you the longest. Um, there's the, uh, the academy program, which will take you the least amount of time. Um, it will cost you more upfront money, uh, but it'll get you done faster. And then you have the college or university program, which is sort of the Goldilocks zone, in my opinion. It's somewhere in the middle between not taking forever. Um, you can apply uh, financial aid funds um, so you can get a little bit more help with the financing when it comes to the flight training. Um, and you come out with a degree um, additional to that. And if you do want to go and fly for the airlines, uh, pick a school with restricted ATP approval from the FAA. That's going to get you to an airline uh, a lot faster uh, in terms of hours. So that's, I mean, that's a fire hose kind of question, but what, what advice do you have? Like, go get in an airplane. If you haven't done a discovery flight, go do one and then go do one at every other flight school in your area. Um, if you're already in the process of training every single day, you need to be doing something toward flight training. If it's taking a practice knowledge test, watching a video, reading a chapter out of a book, whatever it is, every single day has to be devoted to furthering that aviation training process. It's just, it's, it's too, it requires too much immersion to skip even even a day. So if I might ask and add to this question, um, yeah, you need to get out there, find out if you really want to do this. Uh, so first, let's start with this. A lot of folks, I tell, hey, why don't you become a private pilot first? If you have no idea, if you're in a job right now, go ahead and get the private. Uh, and you can actually dovetail into a lot of programs, even if you already have your private. And, and start that flying in that flying journey now because you probably are working in a job if you have a degree and you've gotten out of college probably it's an assumption many people are uh, so go ahead and get the private or start that journey if if you start off in the within the first week or two you're like oh I got to do this then stop and go ahead and get into a program uh, when you mention the collegiate program there's two things you know you have the the uh, what you call the academy programs which is where basically some people call them pilot mills where you get from soup to nuts real quick. I kind of hate to use that term. But no, I think it, that's a derogatory term. I, I use the academy mentality because I think the, the, the goal is to go for the purpose of certification, right? right? It's like a police academy or a fire academy. You're going to a thing to get a certificate. That is the sole goal. So to add to that too, when I hear people talk about it being a pilot mill, the one thing also I'd like to say is just remember the Air Force trains people very quickly and they become pilots within months. And you know, most and of they're the flying I, close to the ground and really fast exactly. in, in six to eight months. Most of the Air Force yeah. pilots that I trained within four weeks they had the private. 
and they're off to going to undergraduate pilot training. Uh, and hopefully some of them have been successful. I don't know. I'm no, just kidding. But as a matter of fact, just, just to tell you how old I'm, st I'm getting, my, my first person I put through flight training is actually now moving on to the majors. Yeah, so, and, that's so, and they're retiring from the military. So I'm feeling older and older as I speak. So I'm going to well, stop. If you, if you need help getting out of that chair when we're done, just let me know and I'll do. come over there and I'll hoist you up. <laughs> The, to this person's question, the other thing that I hear a lot is, I have a bachelor's. Remember they said they had a bachelor's. Why would I consider a degree mm. program? Okay, so first of all, you've got a ton of credit you're going to bring in. So it's not like starting over from scratch. You're going to bring in general education credit. You're going to bring in credit in that regard. The advantage is financial aid, is the mm -hmm. financing. Um, the second advantage is the reduced ATP, which you can still get because the restricted ATP requires 30 college credits at an approved school for the um, 1250 reduction and 60 credit hours for the um, for the thousand hour reduction. But a bachelor's degree is 120 hours. All right. So even if you brought in, let's just call it 35, 40 hours of general education credit, the rest of all of that is is at pretty much any school is going to be a provable credit. So you still have the ability to participate in RATP. Um, you still have the opportunity to pursue financing. Um, and it's, it's familiar. You've been through school. We've had, I don't know, a handful, 10, 12 people that have come through the program who've already had a degree in something else. And every single one of them are in the exact same position as this person <laughs> is who started down one path and went, nope, it's got to be an airplane. And so I've, I've seen this many times. And, and that's what I'm saying. I, it's the same advice I would give to them. It's a, it's a constant pursuit every day. But the financial aid we're talking about, so I get financial aid for the classes, for the actual school, but what about the flight training? Yeah, so the flight training too. So, um, you know, when you're looking at federal financial aid, there's a cap, right? So it's going to go up to this amount. If you've already got a degree, you've already eaten into some of that. So you're going to have, so again, this is every school. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to go through the same process you went through before. Um, if you went through a program uh, in-state um, and you didn't use financial aid or maybe you used Pell or you used some other funding for that, well, you haven't used your federal student loan money yet. If you've already used your federal student loan money, you can still do an appeal because it's a, a different degree in a different field. Now, if you have a sociology degree and you go back to get a master's degree in sociology or you try to do something that's, that's a derivative sociology, they're probably not going to approve that because it's the same thing. But if you're doing a different career field, many schools, well concluded, consider that when we look at your uh, appeal for additional financial aid. And to start that process, you'd go to the financial aid department at whatever school. Yeah, I mean, again, I would, I would first reach out to whoever runs that program, explain your situation, uh, go through those hoops. And ultimately, financial aid at any school is going to be able to give you general information. If you want specific answers, you're going to have to go through the application process at that school. You're going to have to get a student ID, whatever that is, so that there's an actual record for you, right? You'll have to get a transcript in, and then they can give you a real answer. I think a lot of people want to just like call and but no, t tell me specifics. Well, I can't because I, I can't see what you have. Why well, emailed you my transcript? That doesn't, I know that that makes sense in your mind when you're thinking about it because you did your degree. We didn't do your degree. I have no idea what this is. I need an actual transcript from the registrar of that institution so we can determine what we can credit and then make a decision about what we can do in financial aid. 
Yeah, and every school is going to be able to, is going to ask for that. One of the things that I think is really important too is the you know this bachelor's degree that we talk about, uh, and the person that's moving on from a different bachelor's, like this person in sociology. You have done this. You've seen this happen, I, and I want to solidify this fact because of the fact that I get this question so many times. So let me ask you this. Have you ever seen someone do this with the 1,000-hour RATP and also the 1250? Uh, The 1250, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, I've had two students in this position that I can think of off the top of my head that have gone through the entire bachelor's degree. But in both of those cases, they did our administrative concentration in the bachelor's degree because they wanted a dual-threat certificate. So they they used all their associate's degree stuff their first two years for – pilot to get all their flight ratings then they did their bachelor's degree in aerospace administration right um and so there's there's, you're still eligible for the 1250 um the other people who've been in that situation have gotten the associate's degree with all of the flight credit and then gone on with the 1250 and again that's a testament to what's going on with the industry Mm -hmm. um most people by the time um you get through cfi um you're 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 getting to that point. You're pretty close anyway to just go ahead and knock it out with the 1250. Right, right. Well, that's good. I'm glad you said that. Well, I know we got to wrap this up here because you have to get on to your next meeting. Which you know, a busy, busy person here. That's for sure. Uh, always, always something going on with Eric Crump and obviously with myself too. I'm actually going to go play with my new airplane in my new hangar right here at I'm Lakeland. Play with the airplane. Yeah. So if you're you know, flying we, we in, we have come a visit. phone together still. Yeah, you're right. I thought that. about that. Yeah, we definitely need to. I know somebody with a plane. We'll go out and <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to bring it over sometime. The listeners will understand if there are no additional episodes of Aviation Curious Podcast. It's because Carl and I got in an airplane. And I've, I've flown with the students. I haven't flown with him. So this will be kind of interesting. Uh, I'll have to tell the students how he did. But anyway, Let's I'm just kidding. That. No, I won't. <laughs> yeah, that's another thing. By the way, you never share how someone does in the cockpit. You know, what happened in the cockpit great. stays. Or they yeah, were great. Always, yeah, Everything they, was great. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was fine. It was good. It was Met great. Yeah, we had to get, yeah, it messed up. <laughs> And by the way, if you are interested in coming and visiting here at Lakeland, uh, you know, fly in, say hi. I'd love to see you, uh, Eric Crump. Thanks so much for for helping out. Of course, they can find you at uh, polk.edu/aerospace. Polk. Um, that's where you find me online. And if you are a Twitter person and you you like to tweet, um, you can always find me on Twitter at c eric go s e e e r i c g o. And, of course, aviationcareerspodcast.com. Click on host. You can find them there uh, if you can't remember all that. Everything's on the website, the the coaching, the scholarships guide, et cetera. It's right there. Don't forget to try to uh, go out and use the coupon code, pay it forward. Of course, if I say that now, there's going to be a lot of them. go. They go away very quickly right after I mention that in an episode. So we also appreciate those people that are paying it forward and buying scholarships guides for other people because you really are affecting their careers. Uh, we also have a new program coordinator that's coming on board i'm going to have them come on and talk and i'm not going to announce the person's name yet but uh they're going to help us uh i know i've been getting a lot of feedback that you want to see people from airlines on here and talk about different careers that's basically what that person's going to do we do have that link that says how to be a guest on the show but uh but it also we we need to do a little bit more follow-up so we're bringing on this person who's somebody who has uh really been an advocate for aviation and helps run an air show actually down in punta gorda Uh, we're so excited to have him here with us and uh, like i said i i we have the new program coordinator we'll have him on board and 
in on the show uh, coming up shortly. Somebody's got to keep Carl in line. They do. They do. And hats off to Alicia and uh, Bethany, our two new folks here uh, on with Aviation Careers Podcast, doing a great job on editing and keeping me in line, like, like you just said. Eric, thanks so much for being here. Hey, thanks for having me. Look forward to talking to you guys again soon. Awesome. And don't forget, when you're doing anything in aviation or in life in general, Make sure you do something today to move forward in your career. Like Eric said, it's today that you have to do it. Don't put it off till tomorrow. It could be something simple. It's like listening to the podcast, reading something online, buying a book about aviation, going out and visiting the flight schools. But I want you to do something. I want you to do something today to move forward in your career. Well, folks, we'll talk to you next episode. Safe flying. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although host or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler, all rights reserved. 